You're listening to Power Athlete Radio, a podcast dedicated to empowering your performance every damn day. Join former NFL pro and Power Athlete founder John Wellborn as he dissects the greatest minds in strength, conditioning, and more. Joining him is everyone's favorite coach and hair model, Chris, a.k.a. Tex McQuilkin, Power Athlete's Director of Performance. So whether your goal is to be the hammer, destroy mediocrity, or simply move the dirt, you've come to the right place. Now with the warm-up done, let the gains begin. This episode is part of our Move the Dirt series, designed to empower you with the tools to move towards your goals. Move the Dirt is something we say a lot here at Power Athlete. The dirt is the dirt. It's that lazy, fearful, bitch-mode voice in your head that says, too tired, too busy, too old, too injured, too whatever... You can't reason with it, but you can move it. Some days you get a big-ass shovel in your hands and it's easy. You're strong, you're motivated, you're king of the world. But some days you get a spoon and you still got to show up and move that shit anyway, rep by rep, spoon by spoon. So long as you're moving a little dirt every day, you're digging in the right direction. If you're sick of the dirt dominating you and you want to be master of your own self, walk the power athlete path with us. Visit powerathletehq.com forward slash training and start moving the dirt today. We have an amazing podcast in store for you guys today with the dynamic, ever-changing, growing, just passionate individual that is Mr. Rudy Reyes. Rudy has reached a new height and having known him for many, many years and just all of our interactions over the years, to see him really culminate in what he's doing with these different shows, especially in the UK with the SAS and then bringing it here to America with Special Forces, it's a pleasure to have him on and to see his success and feel like we played a small part in anything that he's doing presently. Rudy's a former recon marine, martial artist, actor in Generation Kill. He plays himself, which is pretty awesome. Public speaker from... Power Athlete Symposium, and Summer Strong Fame. The chief instructor for SAS, as John mentioned, Who Dares Wins, UK's biggest show, and coming this January to the US of A, Special Forces, The Ultimate Test. You can check him out on Power Athlete Radio, episodes 215 and 614, and we got a good one today. If you're sitting down, I suggest you put your seat in the upright position, Buckle that seatbelt and prepare to take this thing to the moon because Rudy is 100 miles an hour and probably one of the more dynamic guests you're ever going to hear on Power Athlete Radio. Get ready. Here's the data. 80% of nutrition resolutions fail after just one month. What we help make happen is you moving the dirt past February 1st. So here's the deal. If you want to attack the year of purpose, stay the course and hit your goals, you need Power Athlete programming. It's been battle-tested at the highest level and gets results for every level of athlete. As a special offer this January, if you commit to the cause for a year, you get the full Power Athlete experience for less than a dollar a day with an extra 200 bucks of content for free, a one-on-one consultation to help you set your goals, and a nutrition protocol of your choice. Visit powerathletehq.com forward slash training and start moving the dirt today. Just for the audience out there, I just turned 51 and... Uh, uh, we had a rager blowout last year for the Big Five Zero, um, but this one was almost um, just as beautiful, but the antithesis in the approach. It was just a few people together and enjoying some really, really uh, wonderful company, watching the fights, eating some good food, laughing with the, with the kids, 
and uh, I saw my team leader from Iraq um, and Afghanistan and one of my heroes, uh, very humble man, retired from MARSOC a few years ago, legend, recon sniper, fought in Somalia, been in, in the game a long time, very humble, got to see him and uh, got to sleep in. So, uh, But now I'm right back to the grindstone, brothers. After this, I jump in a freaking limo. Uh, back to Charlotte, and um, and then I have to do voiceover for, um, I can't tell you the name of the show yet, but uh, I've got a great little uh, season coming on History Channel that, that the audience is going to be getting into. So, man, there's just a lot, a lot of great work going on. So this holidays is a working holiday for me. Nice. Well, dude, it sounds yeah, like you're brother. kicking ass. Uh, Thanks, I, bro. I was watching some NFL football this weekend, and all of a sudden <laughs> the ad on Hulu popped up for <laughs> – Special Forces, the ultimate test coming this fall. Pretty rad, huh, brother? Holy yeah. smokes. I've been getting messages from all my all my good peoples. And then some folks that haven't seen me in a long time or or what have you. Um, you know, some of my local brothers and sisters from Kansas City, um, they are getting messages from, like, my cousins and stuff like that. They're just so over the moon, so proud. And I, you know what? When you're um, – in this entertainment business that I'm in now, what's interesting is that you do work and it's super intense with uh, specifically myself. I'm in the unscripted space and I'm doing military leadership and adventure. Um, you know, think um, world's toughest race meets um, um, Bear Grylls meets, uh, you know, um, G.I. Jane in my case. <laughs> Because I'm so fabulous. Oh, oh! Uh, I I thought we were waiting so, for you to shave your head again. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I had to do a new look for them. My first season over there in the UK, which I thought was freaking magnificent, and now all the fan base adores it. But you know, my long black hair, my beard. When I got picked up by Fox, they're like, "Well, Rudy, you know, we've got a little bit more of a conservative audience." And you know what, man? When I was 18 years old, you know, I was freaking rocking my long hair like my idol Ian Asbury and you know I was freaking getting deep into my native roots and didn't want to have my soul freaking cut off but then when you get older you realize that whatever it takes to complete the mission whatever it takes mission accomplishment number one troop welfare number two and that's right verbatim for Marine Corps leadership mission accomplishment number one Troop welfare number two. So I cut the hair, shaved. Now I, I grew the beard back out from my last one. I just came back from Vietnam for two months. Um, uh, pro probably my toughest SAS uh, production uh, ever was Vietnam. Even though Jordan was so extreme, it's so hot, and, and the desert is so unforgiving. I have so much experience in training and fighting there in, in the desert. I was fighting in Iraq only sometimes as, as close as 20 kilometers away from where I was in Jordan. Um, but Vietnam, brother, um, full circle. Um, in some sense, it's where I was born. My father's a Vietnam veteran, uh, multiple t tours uh, as a Marine. And due to the aftermath of that, uh, he never showed up in my life. However, he gave me that, uh, he gave me these genes and I guess a lot of my personality is like his. And um, and I always felt this desire to push myself in, in a unit, whether it was football or wrestling 
uh, or ultimately the Marine Corps, um, I wanted to be part of a unit that I was proud of and that I was um, facing, um, that I was facing fear head on because we all have fear. I had fear. I, I have fear. So uh, going there to shoot this wonderful documentary, um, this, uh, what would you call it? Uh, infotainment, they call it. Uh, doing that, it was uh, like I had been coming home and spiritually, emotionally, and then being in that very difficult but absolutely beautiful terrain. And then the people are very small. And then thinking about these people as enemy because they're so committed to fighting for themselves. Even though, of course, I don't believe in communism. It's, it's a horrible regime. And I hope I can tell the audience out there right now um, the Vietnamese are doing everything they can to make steps towards capitalism. Uh, um, I had to undergo sensitivity classes. I was the only American on the production. If anybody doesn't know, SAS Who Dares Wins, that is the, uh, that is the mothership of, of um, Special Forces World's Toughest Test. It's been a top tier uh, program in England, in the UK and in Australia for about seven years. And Billy Billingham and Jason Carl Fox, Foxy, they built this show. Um, they, yeah. uh, Rudy, can you yeah. get into some details on it? I mean, sure. uh, the last sure. time you were on, we went into some details, but uh, sure. I'd love to hear a little bit of the SAS, uh, how it's set up and more importantly, the mechanics sure. versus the new show, which I'm super excited about. I mean, and, I'm, and we can talk oh, about bro, it seeing as I just saw the, it. yeah, I just saw the ad on Hulu. So uh, I'm assuming you're cleared hot to talk about it. I, I am. I am. I, I, I can, I have some talking points uh, that I can, that I'm clear hot to freaking share. Finally, it's out of the bag. Uh, so it's the same production. Um, very skilled and esteemed primarily out of the BBC combine in the UK, which make the finest TV. Uh, the UK people make the finest TV. They're just very, very, very subtly incisive. Also, possibly because they are the antithesis of Southern California and Hollywood in every way, they find, um, they find showboating really poor taste. They find plastic surgery in really poor taste. They, 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 uh, um, they just are a more refined culture because they're much older. So uh, unlike in my business, even our agents think they're superstars. Like everybody wants to be a superstar. And, um, and there's this cult of uh, fame associated with association. So you got groupies for everything. In the UK, it's a little different. Um, that stiff upper lip, I mean, it, some of it could be, of course, I remember they were bombed almost out of existence 75 years ago. Almost out of existence, something about it, you know? So they, they have a certain subtle humanism to everything they do when it comes to camera. And they're not bombastic and sensational, which makes the message hit harder. Makes it hit, hit much harder. So the, the, the premise is this. For you audience that are going to see this show, 
we run a selection course. Unlike these other freaking Joker TV programs, nothing is scripted. We run it. We start it. We run it. And if you don't cut the mustard, I don't care how popular you are or how good you look on freaking camera, you're freaking done. Or if you break your arm, you're done. Or you freaking um, separate your shoulder, you're out. Okay? Um, so already that puts a lot of pressure on us, DS, directing staff. Uh, it puts a lot of pr pr pressure on production because it's a lot of money invested and they got to make a show. And if we've lost seven people in the first day, they start flapping and panicking. And, it, and trust me, it's happened. Uh, so uh, the premise is it's a selection for 10, sometimes as long as 14 days, two weeks straight. Total immersion. Recruits are living in barracks. Gear issue stripped down in front of everybody. They're lucky we don't shave all their freaking heads because that's what kind of indoctrination you got to do with, in my world. Um, stripped down in front of everybody, naked, free, uh, sugar cookie, freaking hose you down, gear issue by the numbers like you're a seven year old, dress you, and then boom to the barracks and then stand by for training. And it's land, sea, air, it's hand to hand combat, it is full contact boxing. Um, man against woman, two men against one man, it don't matter because you don't know what your enemy's going to look like out there on the battlefield, but you must destroy them. Then we do red man where I'm the red man, John, and I do MMA against all comers, every recruit one after another in the freaking battlefield. Stuff's on fire. There may be freaking, um, there may be CS gas. Then we get them into the gas chamber. Then we helo dunk them underwater and they've got to freaking hold their breath and keep their calm and then do abandoned ship techniques out of the um, sunken uh, vehicle frame or abandoned ship techniques off a tower or helo cast out of the birds, repelling uh, immense, immense heights with combat kit. It's, it's not... Um, they're, they're not carrying 120 pounds like we always were. They're carrying 30 to 40, but it's still so immense for these people that have no experience in this world. And probably the hardest thing is they have to live together and exist together. And they've never been in a communal space. It's, it's so all as this is going, as this is going, we're watching everything. We're watching every recruit. We're watching for behavior. We're watching for attitude. Of course, we're watching for injuries. We don't care about injuries that much because they'll sort, sort themselves out. You're either going to stay or you're going to go. And we all know because we've all been hurt. If you want it bad enough, you stay because you know there will be a time to convalesce. Um, but the moment you accept the pain as your existence, then it is a downhill. Uh, uh, it, it is a downward spiral very quickly. But we're watching for behavior. We're watching for subtleties of leadership, of levity, of humor, which is very important to get through things. And uh, we bring them in for tactical questioning throughout the course. And we kind of break role. Instead of being the hard speaker, recon marine instructor, I am now, hey, tell me about your childhood. How did you grow up? Where, where did you grow up? What, uh, what's the demographic? I mean, um, is it just people that are applying? Are they reached out to like, <gasps> uh, or is it just walks of life, random people? I mean, people looking for a life change. Uh, you know what, John, you just nailed it out there in the UK. This show is so established. Have you all had a chance to see the UK version? 
Uh, I have just seen it on YouTube. Um, okay. you know, like they don't stream it here, so there's really no way, but, uh, um, gotcha. you know, yeah, YouTube. Our, yeah, like our people in the UK are, are sold on it. I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> really? I, uh, I get hit up by people that are like, dude, I'm in the UK and I just saw a bus go by and Rudy Ray's face was on the side. <laughs> Rudy, you shared some behind the scenes footage just of you doing some awesome stunts that somebody else filmed on their iPhone. So that's, yeah. that was wow. awesome. Oh, you wow, brother. Are yeah. you serious, Tex? Amazing. Yeah. And it's so wild. I know we're jumping ahead a little bit with the audience, but brothers, you have been there for almost a decade for me and with me, alongside me, be beside me, helping me up. And uh, wow. Now we're in a, a place where you know, your brother is healthy, strong, um, never more solid in his life. And at 51, creating a new career, and you see me on a bus in the UK, pretty wild, pretty wild. So when you watch the show, which they have two seasons a, a year. Um, now I shoot them back to back. Um, we have civilian, and then we have celebrity. Civilian is very close to real selection. If we stuck with that pace and did it for three months, that would be selection. Um, it is in, it, it, extremely brutal. Um, the operational tempo, uh, you know, is uh, so accelerated. If you are not immediately manicuring your mind to shut down when we finally release you and sleep a one or two hours or five hours, you will not sleep in by day three, uh, you know, progressive mental confusion and you're going to find your way out. Or because of infractions, we will come in throwing the freaking, uh, the freaking trash can, beat, beating the trash can, gassing them, uh, shooting uh, AKs or freaking sending uh, uh, flashbangs and being, bring them right out to, uh, to the parade square at zero three and then let the games begin. Thrash central until we get tired and all I'm doing is yelling and moving them around. So I get tired until someone quits. It is really revealing to the human spirit and character. These civilians are civilians that like all of us, actually they're people just like us, just like all of us, people that have overcome things or haven't overcome things, people that are scared about something or feel maybe they've, they've lost a step or wanted to get that step they never had people that have overcome or people that have gone, gone through abandonment, sexual abuse, physical abuse. Um, um, on my watch, I've had two, what would you call it? Physically impaired recruits. One man uh, was going to be a firefighter. Um, oh, sorry. One man was going to be a firefighter and um, his hand got caught in the equipment, chewed it up. So he doesn't have the use of one hand. The other man, uh, a freaking uh, UK uh, Air Force, Royal Air Force munitions guy was uh, moving uh, on base, getting from the gym to the chow hall, indirect fire, boom, he's hit, lost his arm. So it's people. It's people that want to see if through this very tough and arduous selection process, they are more of themselves than they know. And it's quite beautiful. 
um, uh, I, I'm moved by it. I am moved by these recruits. Um, so, you know, after we do our tactical questioning throughout the week, uh, Billy and I and, and Foxy and, and Remy, you know, somebody hoods them, brings them in, and then it's on the outside with earphones, and then two of us are in there tactical questioning. And then, of course, we share information with the DS, all of us t- together, because this is what we're running. And we're just moved. Sometimes, you know, I'm fucking holding back tears. Uh, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, and, and then you, and, and then now as a professional DS, the challenge is how to, how you want someone to succeed, but yet uh, you must, in a sense, even make it harder for them because that's the only way they're going to have the confidence to face their life when they leave here. It's really amazing, you all. It's psychological, it's emotional. It's a humanist show um, in the guise of military selection. Then again, maybe that's what military selection is too. I'll tell you what I'm really fascinated sure, is, is how do they find these people? I mean, do they sign oh, yeah, up for the, the show? Casting. Is it like Biggest Loser? I think, you know what? Our casting people are really, really, really serious. Um, I think that's most of the work. I believe we get tens of thousands mm. of of um Quite, um, applications applications, yeah. applications every season and they work and they, they look for people that really have something compelling they're trying to get through um they also look for athletes um because it's interesting you know i told you that the the, the british people like to see in some sense they like to see the showboats fail the big strong guys fail and i understand why uh you know it's the rocky balboa effect it's the um it's the underdog effect and you know the uk in a sense is an underdog now they're second second best u.s is best right um hell yeah USA. How, it's the truth. you know it's the truth and um what's interesting what's interesting is mostly the bigger stronger guys do fail this selection yeah, but did, I mean, didn't that happen in the Marine Corps too? I'm sure you had Same guys thing. walking in that look like pro bodybuilders and all of a sudden yep. they're breaking, shattering like glass within a day or two. Same thing. That is it. And I think also our super high-end athletes um, um, are, 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 are warriors in a specific compartment, but because they're, they've not been... Uh, They've always been in antiseptic conditions, and even they don't realize how much they've been catered to. Um, they've never been in a space where they got to keep running for seven hours in the sand dunes, and there's so much sand in their freaking crack and in their eyes, and there's no way to stop. You're not stopping. If you're stopping, you're getting dropped. Um, or if you've got blisters on your feet, you got to keep going until they burst. They've never been in that space. And then to go into a barracks with, with, uh, with corned beef hash as your only meal of the day. And they're like, what the, and not being able to instant access to the phone. It's incredibly traumatic to these people to be thrown into the world a hundred years ago. In a sense, that's what we're doing. Um, and, and all they can do, and this is what they must do is rely on each other. Uh, so the casting is very intense. Then when we get into celebrity, I think for celebrity, it's very difficult to cast. Mm-hmm. Celebrities don't want to come on this show unless 
they're trying to revamp their career or get some interest again. Um, uh, most of them have made the money and had the comfort to not have to go back I- into the battlefield. But those that do, I commend. I commend everybody that comes out to try because it is really, really tough. How, how do you manage stress? Um, is there something in place before these individuals go out on the show to manage stress to t- teach them? Or is it just full immersion, throw them in, sink or swim? Um, hopefully the instructors of the environment give you the tools that you need to succeed. And, or maybe it's just because I, I imagine, uh, you know, you're ported into this one situation. These people probably aren't 18 years old, you know, like a young Rudy Reyes getting dropped from Kansas city right into the Marine Corps. And these individuals have trials and tribulations, life's families. They're a little bit older, a little more, you know, uh, life's kicked them a few more times or maybe not as resilient. So you drop them in. I mean, is there any like pre work to like help them manage stress or prepare them in any way? Or is it just like, Fuck it, cleared for hot, drop them in. Let's see what happens. Fuck, yeah. You know what, brother? It's a freaking blitzkrieg, dog. However, in the UK, because the show, as you guys know, the brothers and sisters out there in the UK, it's so established. The show is so established. Everybody's like, shit, if I get the call to be on, I'm running, I'm meditating, I'm doing cold water work, I'm doing, I'm doing pain work, I'm getting serious. To even show up. <laughs> World's toughest test, special forces. These celebrities had no idea what they were getting into. They thought they were going to a spa day. They thought it was just some, they thought it was like a big brother meets freaking, uh, um, you know, Spartan race. Oh. And it's going to be a reality show. So, you know, obviously after we're done shooting, they can have their cappuccino or have the massage therapist. Right. Oh, 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 it was a Rudy awakening. It was a Rudy <laughs> awakening. Yeah, you oh, can print that. Brother, it, it, I will tell you, you will be surprised. Our front runners are. Um, I can't give too much away. I would love to. And offline, I'll, I'll talk to you more. I will tell you what. Danny Amendola, um, pro football player. From brother, Texas. first of all, he looks like he looks like he looks like he's like my little brother. You know what I mean? Uh, we look like we're, we're related. You know, I I think he's Italian. I'm Spanish. You know, we're about the same size. 180 pounds, 185 pounds, 510, which is small. And I'm thinking of the Titans like you, John, and I and, and the other Titans. You know, in sports, and that this young man had such a long career in probably the most deadly and uh, dangerous sport in the world, which is American football over boxing, over MMA. Um, and, um, and, and, and maybe over skiing too. We had a skier there too. That's very freaking dangerous too. Cause of the speed, right? Yeah. The speed Danny did, man, it was just a pleasure to work with the kid. It was just a pleasure to work with him. And even, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna steal the thunder. So some wild shit gonna go down. You will stop. Okay, I'll just say. What can I say? Some things go down. For anybody out there educated, knows their history. All I can say is, the bounty, the ship, the bounty. Holy smokes, man! Uh, because. There, well, he's forgetting the key word for the yeah. bounty. There was a movie 
very famous movie called The Mutiny on the Bounty. <laughs> which uh i uh you were dating ourselves with it because i remember seeing I it as, as a little kid uh yep. i i believe uh who was the star i mean was it russell crowe no it was god i, I think it, the the original film i believe it was marlon brando yeah the the uh the one in 85 was mel gibson yep. yeah yeah mel gibson and that's anthony the one i remember Hopps and anthony hopkins and a yep. young liam neeson Yep. Anyway, brother, it's so heavy. It is so badass. Uh, it's frightening. Um, things were spinning out of control. Again, this is not a um, produced. Um, so, this is uh, not a, Rudy, let's set the stage, right? So, uh, uh, we obviously have the success of SAS, and now they want to bring yes. this kind of American version, and they figured yes. the easiest way to kick the doors off the hinges and really get the American people in is to bring on celebrities that might have uh, been famous a while back or maybe have a connection that really aren't like, you know, it's not like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, but like, you know, sure. celebrities that people know. So that's the American way to kind of jumpstart it. So they pour it over, they bring Jason, they bring your uh, full cast that's mainly uh, UK guys, and you're the one American. So now they're bringing That's it over, right. which is also hilarious because Americans have such an interesting perception of the English. And for some reason, like, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see the interactions. But then you're coming I over as too. the fire breather, the fucking straw, straw that stirs the drink. And sure. you're dropping these guys. And this is in Jordan? This is in Jordan in the summertime. Okay. So it's 116 is, degrees. Yeah, 120 degrees during the day. And a very chilly 95 to 100 degrees at night. So like living in Texas, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And whoo, dry heat, son. Dry heat. Uh, I cannot wait for my man, Billy Billingham and Jason Fox. Foxy and Billy. SAS, SBS, Super Commandos. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Warfighters, Warriors, and, and Billy with such an extreme legitimate Jason Bourne background, POW twice, escaped twice, negotiated to get a POW out um, against the IRA in Ireland, going to have his head cut off uh, in Bosnia. Uh, and then he goes on to be the freaking uh, bodyguard for Sean Penn and, and the very famous bodyguard for the, for Brad Pitt and Ange Angelina Jolie yep. uh, and Ed Sheeran. And then Foxy, brother, I cannot wait to bring him to Summer Strong or bring in a power athlete because he's one of us. Foxy is a beast and brilliant and a, a, a deeply uh, his 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 mind, the gears of his mind um, don't spin fast, but they grind exceedingly fine. And one of the uh, both these men, some of the most brilliant men. Billy also, due to his immense emotional and uh, and psychological intelligence, his ability for humor and his one-liners. And I mean, I've never met anybody so clever. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I cannot wait for American audiences to get, a, I feel like in, when the Joker in the first Batman goes, wait till they, you know, when they get a load of me, you know what I mean? I can't wait for they, them to see Billy and Foxy. I'm very excited for them to become American and global superstars. They're already quite global superstars, sure. but I want them to be American superstars. Um, you both know me really well. What makes me the most happy is seeing my brothers and sisters rise. 
and it, it gives me such joy. Um, I can't wait for America to embrace these men and these men to come over to America also to make really good money. Um, the, they, they've paid a lot of dues. I'll just say that they've paid a lot of dues and, uh, the UK does not treat their veterans like the USA treats their veterans. Um, the UK does not have the same culture, the ambient culture of patriotism that we have, even though right now we've really taken some knocks still, uh, in comparison. Um, also because the market's so much bigger. I can't wait till they're out here doing the book tours and such. Um, they're really magnificent people. And we also bring the um, British production. I mean, everybody that has that, uh, that understands the language of the show, that is why the feel is the same. The edit looks great. Uh, we, Jade and I just got the first episode. Brother, it's a two-hour episode. It's, I mean, it's pretty rad. We're freaking, like you said, brother, both barrels, boom, 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 boom. We're freaking both barrels on that first, first episode. And we're getting so much traction and love from football and Fox and NFL and everything. Um, it's going to be rad. It's, 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 uh, it's going to be a thrill ride, brother. So you better freaking buckle up, you know? Do you, have, uh, do you get an opportunity to work with the contestants one-on-one? to help yes. them develop oh, this, this warrior mindset and really like, yes. because uh, personally, as I'm sitting here listening, uh, like what an amazing opportunity for these individuals, good on them. And like the, like most respect that they would one volunteer and throw themselves into this crucible. I agree. But I really think the strength of this whole deal is the interactions with you guys, with these uh, contestants to yeah, help them recruits. build. Yeah. Like yeah, recruits, but to help them build, uh, the Rudy Reyes fucking mindset, the steel trap that's allowed you to be successful and persevere because it feels like the individuals there are coming and searching for something. And the real gold of this is the mentorship of it you and Foxy exactly, and these guys to help them, you know, uh, fucking create this. It's exactly you know? that, John. It is exactly that. You asked about, you asked about um, the stress management and such. Immediately, we ascertain who doesn't want to be there. It happens like in the first 24 hours. And then the ones on the edge are the ones we immediately invest. That are strong. We really, we make them stronger by first ignoring them. And then after day three, five, seven, you get your core. And that is it. What, you know, we're teaching them to breathe and lower their heart rate so they can now focus on the task at hand. Because remember, we're doing these tasks that they've never done before in their life. We're doing amphibious work. We're doing a massive uh, heights um, with ropes. Um, we are doing land navigation. We're, they're having to memorize cover stories and routes. And, um, and we are giving them those little gold nuggets, those, those diamonds of, uh, of do not... Do not expect, inspect. You can believe it. There's, they're going to be out on the line with their kit, full kit. Somebody's going to uh, would have left their helmet. Somebody uh, did not have their uh, water bottles. That's what they call canteens filled up. We do inspections. We teach them time management. We teach them passion. They can supersede any pain. Passion superseding any pain. And the way through uh, the pain and the fear and the sadness is mental checklist. Once you start getting into your mental checklist, you're completely immersed and committed to the mission. 
And then you start finding, I, like I found, a, um, a blissful detachment, a blissful detachment to suffering, which allows one in a third party observation, you being outside looking at yourself, talking to yourself. With that perspective, you can start isolating either thought process or behaviors that um, no longer serve you. You can get rid of those. That's what this show's about. This show's not about the military. Show's about the human spirit. And that's why it's been so successful in the UK. Um, it's a huge honor. And why I want Billy and Foxy to be such freaking mega stars here. Uh, that production took a chance on me and brought me over when there was no work over here. And again, this is uh, karmic alignments, you know, the sacred uh, geometry of, of quantum good. Um, I had a show here that I had also wrote and produced for History Channel. It's called Haunted Battlefields, and it was something that had never been done before. And I have the deal. Just Jade and I just got together. We've got a new place. And then COVID hits and everything goes away. Then I get a knee surgery. Then in my knee that I never knew had a discrepancy. And it was, I tore the meniscus in, in Fallujah. One day, the freaking uh, physiological bill came to the door and my knee was swollen. Then I kept training and I was teaching and coaching and then it got worse and I couldn't walk. Um, thank you to Gunnar Peterson and the Bosco brother. I couldn't have known Gunnar without the Bosco Brotherhood, without Bert, without you, without this team. Gunnar calls Dr. Elitrash. Because, you know, at the VA, they weren't even going to see me for six months. And who knows what kind of knee surgeons they got at the VA. Um, he calls Dr. Ella Trash. Uh, he did Tom Brady's knee. He did um, George St. Pierre's, uh, everybody, right, in, down in Beverly Hills. And uh, and they got me set up. And I think it's, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And he did it pro bono because I didn't have the money. I had no job now. The, the, the pilot was washed. And uh, after six months of recovery, I got a call from the UK because I'd done a piece of work that I never even, um, you know, I don't even, I don't count on anything coming back. For me, the the payment is the juice. When I'm doing it, I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid in here, and the money's always going to be okay because I I live with very little. Um, but now, uh, you know, it, it's now the money is reflecting back to me the value I've put into my entire life. It's really good money and it's only getting better. But at the time I had nothing except the great attitude and the willingness to drive on. I did this piece of work called Once Upon a Time in Iraq. Uh, these filmmakers, UK people, they worked with me for four years, saw me in Shanghai, saw me in, in Hong Kong. Um, met up in New York and LA. And then one day in New York said, Rudy, if you're here, um, would you mind sitting down and just talking with us on camera for a while? They'd been in a relationship with me for four years. Um, James Bloomfall, um, he, uh, uh, the Oscar equivalent BAFTA award winner. Um, he did the thing about the, the, the Syrians with the, the white hats about the, um, the paramedics that were going in after the bombings of locals. And, uh, and he was doing this deep, deep documentaries about ISIS. So, well, 
what was the, how did ISIS, how were they created? Then he went into Iraq and then the diaspora and fallout of the failed Iraq. So he interviews surgeons, civilians, refugees, um, Republican guard, generals, and then Rudy Reyes. That five, uh, that 10 hour series called Once Upon a Time in Iraq, it won the Oscar for best documentary. Unbeknownst mm. to me, I had no idea. It's very, it's beautifully done. It's, uh, it's at the Ken Burns level. It's Ken Burns Vietnam level, Ken Burns World War II level. It's like that. Uh, so I was on the radar in the UK. The UK, the, uh, Sophie from Minnow Film said, get me Rudy Reyes. Well, wasn't there, wasn't there some drama? Wasn't there another dude that was oh, on yes, the show that turned Middleton. out to be a massive piece of shit? I'm, yes. Um, at, yes. at least from my brief observation, I know when you got, uh, you know, ported into this show, it was kind of to like replace an individual that had yes. established himself, but uh, also wasn't of high moral character, at least from not at all. Read. You're exactly right. Uh, but, but then again, you know, I had some struggles with even production with this sometimes. Um, I was hired for a multitude of reasons. And also the first time I heard the term telegenic and telegenic. Well, that's, so was Ant. Ant Middleton was very telegenic and he was an operator, but one of um, poor reputation. He, he very much had the Hollywood attitude and Hollywood mindset. It was all about him. Everything was about him. And yet uh, underneath a, a few layers, there was nothing there. Uh, he became really a tyrant on set. Um, and then, you know, his ar arrogance bleeds into everything. And he treated women poorly. Um, and uh, and uh, he got fired. Finally, there was so much pressure. And by the way, uh, Minnow Films and Channel 4 didn't want to let him go because he was so good for the show. And that doesn't surprise me because the business I'm in... Um, if you're because there's so much money involved, if you're making money, uh, then th they're not going to risk it until you're Harvey Weinstein. And this guy, yeah, or, was or you become a, li uh, a liability, especially a liability. Decent, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And so they brought me on at first. There were, you know, the British audience at first, I was not received well at all. Um, yeah. they made every they were talking about my hair dye, and of course, I don't have hair dye. These freaking uh, uh British people never seen Mexicans before. Did they know that we have dark hair and they were freaking, you know, Latino? And I'm not even a dark Latino, you know? But they were messing with my hair dye. And of course, there's no fucking hair dye. Uh, matter of fact, when I went back from uh, my second season, uh, the producer, Alicia, her name's Alicia. Uh, Rudy, I'm, I'm afraid something sensitive to talk to you about. I'm like, Alicia, sure, what's going on? I'm like, fuck, am I fired? Am I fired? <laughs> right? Because sometimes I still get street fights and stuff like that in my car. You know what I mean? But does the audience not like me enough? Are you firing me? No, she says, uh, she says, um, it's about the hair dye. I said, what? And I said, what? She goes, well, um, we would like the more natural look. And I said, you see this gray? I got a little bit of gray. I've earned this little gray. And, and Jade wants me to have more gray hair. She thinks it's more handsome. I'm sorry, it's still dark, you know? And she goes, oh, so you don't dye your hair? I said, no, I don't dye my hair. Anyway, the audience eventually 
fell in love with me. I have such a huge fan base in the UK now. My my self-help book has been reprinted. I'm going on a freaking uh, book tour. Uh, I mean, I've got kids that look up to me, uh, uh, kids in military school and, and, and boys and girls from the freaking uh, tough backgrounds. And, and then I got middle-aged and old people that love patriotism that now can be cool, feel supported being patriotic. It's really rad at first. It it's was, like a modern day Jimi Hendrix story, you know, uh, to, totally. Jimmy couldn't hit it big here in the U S so they took him to the UK and he became a monster star and came back and fucking owned it. It's so true. Oh, my goodness. So true, brother. And we're both airborne as well. Yeah. Hit it airborne. Um, a, a lot of people don't know that Jimi Hendrix was a paratrooper. Uh, yeah. and, uh, yes, he, it, 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 it really, uh, took some watering of those seeds, but now they're blooming. They're blooming and blooming and blooming. Um, my book is being reprinted. And of course, I've got Pete Dads as my photographer out there. He's using the SAS in my blacks uh, as the cover because that's the brand recognition everybody's got over there. Uh, they love my wildness. They love my Americanness, my Yankness. Um, and, uh, and now they're a little sad I had to cut my hair, but it's okay. It's okay. It'll grow um, back. It'll grow it'll back. Grow back. It'll grow back. And it's so interesting. So I've got a film in Boca Raton um, in like one week. Last episodes of Boca. Oh, so by the way, I, sh I just shot Vietnam too. America, Special Forces World's Toughest Test uh, premieres January 4th. My British version, SAS, premieres January 8th. So I'm doing, I'm going back and forth, still doing voiceover work, still doing interview work. So uh, when I go down to Florida, I'm going to get my hair trimmed a little bit, but leave the beard because this is how I looked in Vietnam. I do Vietnam the first day in a green screen in my blacks. And then the next day I have to have a haircut and shaved so that I match what I did in America. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, showbiz problems, showbiz. What, uh you know, I mean, you're seeing these two different audiences, um, yeah. really just different casts. I mean, so, you know, this one is, you know, in the UK, people are, are applying to get in. And now all of a sudden you go do the celebrities, uh, you know, and I don't want to let the cat out of the bag or more importantly, uh, let anybody know, but uh, like, what was the difference? I mean, you know, I mean, uh, the celebrities, obviously, maybe a little sense of entitlement, a little bit of soft, a little bit this. Uh, but I mean, when it comes down to, when you strip it down, you put people in these situations, people are people and they're going to react how they do. Uh, yes. I'm curious to know if like, uh, the, the sanctity of the human spirit and the power of these individuals is something that's universal when you put them into this crucible. I will tell you, you get surprised, even though I'm getting very good at reading people and even Bill and Billy's a master and so is Foxy. Well, Foxy's always on the fence and always waits in the back before making any long calls. Billy and I make long calls up front and I'm getting better and better at it. Um, it's not just the gray man. The gray man's not enough. The gray man that, that you can be a gray man in recon or green beret or seals or not really seals or recon. That's gray man's not really our gig. Um, and in the Marine Corps, we're already indoctrinated to be Marines. We already have a baseline of aggression and physical fitness and toughness and aggression and uh, willingness to do violence because that is ingrained and indoctrinated. These civilians do not have that. And that's a big chunk missing from the selection process. 
So quickly you have to uh, ascertain who is aggressive enough and willing to do violence. It's often not just, it's, it's often not the big, strong guy. The big, strong guy actually, because he's so big and strong, he's been a bully. He's never really accessed courage to fight insurmountable odds. Um, when we do milling, when we do their boxing, it doesn't stop till I say it stops to include when that guy's on the ground and you're still freaking working him. And then I get you back up. Then I bring in a fresh guy and then you fight again. And then when you're done with him, I bring in another guy. And we're looking at looking at it as a test to find your spirit. And um, it's, it's oftentimes the older recruits that have the uh, spiritual, mental, and emotional robustness to keep showing up. And uh, even though they're physically wasted, um, they have a, um, maybe an, an old world work ethic. But then the, the risk is eventually most of them get hurt and then find their way out. And then the really young people, in, in they don't do well. Unless I, I've seen young people that come from very poor backgrounds and or extremely high vibration sport background all the while having no family or something like that extremists what i'm saying is you need to be an extremist uh, because we don't have time to indoctrinate you if we indoctrinated all of them let's say we put them all through three months of boot camp and then we put them through this it'd be different sure. um, you need to be an extremist or uh, an idealist that's the only way through your athleticism or your intelligence is not enough. We had um, on my last celebrity, the equivalent of Dr. Fauci uh, in the UK. His name's Matt Hancock. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, ADHD, I guess. And so he taught himself to read and write on his own terms, like at six years old or whatever. And because he couldn't, he was too fast for the teacher. And so he would just doodle, but uh, he had the fortitude to, to still want to excel, I guess, went to some prestigious colleges. He's a PhD or a doctor too. Uh, he's a, he was their health minister. And then he got into some scandal. Um, he was, uh, you know, he was doing some, some Clinton, some Clinton shit, got busted. And at 43 or maybe 44, he comes to SAS. Everybody in this country, in the UK hates his guts. Everybody hates him. I got to tell you, I was very impressed. He is used to being hated. He's used to having everything smashing down on him. And he has the egotistic narcissism to still fight on. And this is the first time he's got his ass beat physically in front of everyone. Imagine soon this dude had had the balls to show himself get beat up, freaking humiliated, because he gets humiliated all the time. And he kept going. I got to tell you, regardless of what anybody in the UK says about him, me as an outsider looking in, he's definitely has the raw material. If he was a 24-year-old, 22-year-old, 22-year-old, he would have been an asset to us. He's not a real big, strong guy. He's a lean guy, fit guy. He would have been an asset. He had a, he, he's got that sharp, hard mind that won't give up. I was really impressed. But yeah, 
The females I've been very impressed with. I never thought a woman could do what we did. Never in my life. Never in my life. I have now changed my mind. I believe there is a place for, for women in special operations. Mm. Uh, they, they Maybe they're not doing that freaking deep leaders recon for seven days in a hole and uh, patrolling with freaking, uh, you know, 250 pounds of water, freaking ammunition, explosives and batteries. Maybe they're not doing that part, but they damn sure could get into places that we can't get into. And I believe with some of these women's characters that I have witnessed, they could be trained to be able to survive fighting and gunfighting or fuck knife fighting three motherfuckers in a freaking hotel room until we get there. You know, I'm very impressed, really blown away at the character of these women. And what it is, is this, John, this is what I noticed. Females, because they're smaller, they're, um, they have all witnessed and experienced personally being dominated either psychologically, physically, emotionally. And that means they've all had to get through it and learn to, to overcome it and learn to survive it. How about not just champion like you're Rocky Balboa now, running on the steps, but survive it and then raise kids, whatever. When they fail, because they fail a lot, they do not melt down psychologically like men do. I saw men getting dominated out there, even dominated by me. So I'm the red man. I have to fight all of them. And that's on, on purpose. I dominate the big, strong men. I dominate them, put them in a place that they've never been put in before. And these are world-class Olympians or athletes or whatever. They have a hard time shaking that off. The women, no problem. And then it's just, uh, <clears throat> it's almost like a rinse and a repeat. And they're right back in it. I was very impressed. Oh my gosh, brother. So, so Rudy. mental resilience. It is, Rudy, it what, is the mental flexibility and mental resilience. Uh, Rudy, I got a, I got a question for you. What's the most, what's the most stressful situation that you've ever been in? Mm, been in a few. You know what? Maybe this is what made me, maybe this is what gave me the, some tools and some grit. I've never thought of myself as a very tough person, like, or I've always felt like I am, I practice and I train and I discipline and I um, engage mentally and emotionally going to the next level and preparing for failure and death. And a meaning I never feel I've arrived. I've never, I never feel I've arrived in life and to include in combat. Uh, it, well, by the time I was a seasoned team leader, I felt that I was uh, very good at managing chaos and mitigating risks. But the bottom line, I knew that uh, we all could be, um, you know, turn into hamburger meat, you know, and um, it was sobering, but there was no fear that instead I was mitigating ri risk. There was concern, never fear. And look back, I'm like, fuck, Rudy, how did you do all this? This is probably, when I think about how courageous this was, oh my gosh, by the way, I've saved so many lives um, because of the great training, recon and, and the 18 Deltas, my medics and my experience. I've saved lives. I've saved lives in the battlefield. I've saved lives in, in the civilian world. I've first responded. I'm not a fireman or a um, paramedic, but I've been a first responder many times because I'm that 
person that takes action. I've learned to embrace taking action as the medicine for fear. It's natural for me to embrace action when I'm afraid. So I was, um, it, I was my first few months in the boys' home. And I had already been neglected and abused really, really bad, uh, physically and uh, um, sexually abused as a boy. And living in squalor, man, rats running over my brothers and I, and then, of course, humiliated and made fun of at the school. We went to a high school. They all know that you're a orphan. You're a boy's home. You're, they called you a homeboy. They all know that your parents are either poor or drug addicts or don't give a shit about you and you're nobody. So it was actually, I was in the, I was in the boot camp of real life early on. No wonder I always had that reserve inside of me to keep going. I never felt strong or tough, but something inside refused to be dominated. And I never really could put my finger on it. it, it it's because I'd been going through these stair steps of being dominated and crushed until I took control in some way uh, with no plan. Um, maybe I'd been, I'd been blessed to be broken down so much that the last thing that was left was me fighting for my human life. And then I've just never lost it. I'm just going to text that answer your question. Oh yeah. So to follow up, what would you say to the listeners out there that view moments of strife as obstacles versus what could be a driving force in the length of their life? Obstacles to opportunities. Remember that, that, that lovely book, the obstacle is the way. Um, it is critical for us as, as, as men, especially men, because that's what I am. We are because the genes and God and, and, uh, creation has given us bigger bones and more muscle and stronger, freaking, uh, thicker skull, more testosterone to build and to fight and to defend. It is critical to no matter what it takes while maintaining character, bringing everything you have to bear to repel the enemy assault when you're being dominated, whether you're being dominated by a person or a gang of people, or you're being dominated uh, by a caustic work environment in which you, um, you, you seem that uh, people are massing on you, whether you're being dominated with the freaking IRS you must fucking fight. You must fight. You must never let, lose your character in doing so. So we have to embrace what, we're, what we are for real, not be ridiculously narcissistic and adolescent with our little self-identities. Get out of your self-identity. How about when you're 40, you can start thinking, damn, this is actually who I really am because I've spent all this other time fortifying myself and making a difference in my community and creating a structure for my own life so that when I'm in my 50s and 60s, my woman and my, my kids are safe, that, my, uh, that I have the assets that I can bring to bear to fulfill um, my journey. Um, you know, we've all, uh, we've all worn uniforms in one way or another in our lives. We've all worn uniforms. Think about that. We've worn uniforms. That means our individuality had to be... Um, subjugated because we were fighting for a bigger purpose than the individual. Uh, I, 
we we must we must re remember that the tribe uh, has existed for millennia for a reason. It is necessary. The tribe is necessary. Then eventually we get a little older into our middle age, and we <clears throat> we start to blossom with maybe some subtle individualities. Even though actually, John, uh, uh, text. Do you notice as we're getting older, we're finding that there's less differences between all of us. There's less. So, you know, like, it's interesting. There's less differences when you get to a certain age. Um, and uh, it's, unless, let us just teach our young kids and inspire our younger generation and reiterate to our peers because they're lost right now. They're hurting right now. If they don't got their physical fitness first, they've got nothing, right? If they well, don't got I, their physical fitness first, go ahead. I think we're seeing a time where the trials and tribulations that might have happened earlier on are not happening. Um, you know, Seneca, yes. what, um, you know, you can't expect a man to grow just like you can't polish a gem without friction. So well, I really think that if you don't have hardship or something uh, like some crucible early in your life, you search for it. And I think a lot of this comes down to people just don't know who they are and they have nothing to define. Well, and a question never, for both of you, agree or disagree, do you have to stress to progress? Well, 100%. I think isn't that uh, what we do daily in our training? Well, our our bodies are designed in such a way, and I I remember, God, I uh, it was in David Sinclair's book Lifespan. Uh, they Ooh. talked about gene. I don't expression. know this one. I can't, um, I can't so, wait to check this one. So they talked about gene expression. That if you go out and you stress your genes with uh, whether it be within training or cold, I mean, all these different environments. If you put yourself closer to death or put yourself in these situations where the body is forced to react. Uh, you get positive gene expression. If you go yes. into situations where you just lay on the couch and watch Netflix and lay around where things are easy, your body will actually have a negative gene expression and try to kill you earlier on. So the idea of stressing your body and putting yourself through, whether it be through training or all these other, you know, they were, I think he got into it having to do with why the cold and the heat and especially these extreme temperatures where, you know, you see the Wim Hof, you know, in the subarctic and then in the heat, it, why this was beneficial for uh, positive gene expression that came of down course. to- the closer you put your body into these stressful situations, closer to death, the more it will become your ally. If you don't put your yes. body in this situation, it just figures you're useless and it'll fucking kill you off early. So, oh, I, so I really think that you have to put yourself into it, whether it be like, you know, I mean, I hope no child has to go through what you went through. And I've told you that a million yeah. times as we've talked yeah. about this over the years. Um, it fucking breaks my heart as a father that one. Um, children were, were raised without a father and yeah. you were put into this yeah. situation and you had to be the rocket, what your brother's, you know, attached to, which is yes. um, not the thing you want to ask a boy of that age. And man, it's, uh, it's not only endeared me, but broke my heart. And when I hear it, I'd like, uh, as a father it fucking tears me up and as an individual, it tears me up. But that crucible is awful, awful as it was. Um, you're the representation you're the you know the equals that that got out the other side of that thing i mean how many people could have just you know threw in the lot got into drugs fucking committed suicide sure. did that but you did sure. fucking rage against the dying of the light and were able to go back yeah. out there and build into this and, and you know and and then also uh the authentic honesty the passion and just the vulnerability to be able to talk about it years later and not view it as some shame where you know i would never mention this to anybody so having the yeah for a long time i did john for a long time i was just you know i had a um for once i got my man's strength and started winning uh and doing well with wrestling and then uh and you guys know me um athletically and physically my body responds to training brother so even though it was light man 
I, I immediately got muscular response, lifting weight, and I had no program. Remember, when we're in high school, we had no programs. We don't know what we're doing. Yeah, it was maxed out every day. Everything I, you know, yeah. doing everything I can. Actually, it's probably a good idea. We just did everything we could. Um, I get my man's growth around 16, 17. My mind just said, you know what, Rudy? All of this since three years old, since birth. Let's just put that aside. Let's stay here. And I and I just, I, I never would even imagine sharing these things with anybody. It didn't really come back for me to think about that this was proving ground and bedrock for me. Um, probably until after I came out, really, really came out uh, the other end of PTSD uh, and depression and um, hard drugs. When I started coming back to the light, I, I started recognizing, oh my gosh, it wasn't an overnight miracle. It's that I'd been pushed and tested since I was born. And um, it, because I was really hard on myself after Fallujah and then getting in the movie business and all that, I felt like empty. Some of my brothers were dead. Some of my brothers were suffering deeply on the outside. I looked perfectly fine and, and in a sense, tried to keep it that way. So no one realized how down I was, totally down. Um, um, had, a, uh, had lost faith in my country and my world. Uh, had lost. Uh, I, I just thought that uh, I was just waiting for death, except there was something inside of me that wouldn't give up. And I gave it no credit. I gave it no credit. I just thought it was just stubborn or it was luck. No, it wasn't. It was, I had to get the, here because look how many people we're empowering and affecting now. Um, I just lost a brother while I was in Vietnam to suicide. And he was he was, he, he was one of the models with me on the video game on Call of Duty. Um, had a great gun business beautiful children, beautiful wife, everything looked fine on the outside. And, um, and he was gone. I believe that this testimony needs to be out there for our people um, to recognize that there is no shame in anything that you've been through. As a matter of fact, have pride. You've been through. Now, if you're stuck, this is when we need to do work. If you're stuck in it, we need to do work. If you've been through, it is your pride and it is another tool in the toolbox um, to freaking crack the next safe, to open your next level. Um, I have some great news. I have some great, great news. Um, I've been struggling to see my son for six years. Um, and I went through a hard court battle. I was very, as you guys remember, when he first met me, I was still unstable. I was starting to get myself stable again. Um, to let the people know out there, um, I was unstable for about almost 10 years, going from one contract job or one uh, movie job uh, and in between um, depression, street fights, lots of drugs and emptiness. I lived between three or four different places. I had three or four different addresses. Um, was traveling around the world working. And then in between, I uh, was, I was in purgatory and I, I lost my son because I was unstable uh, and because I was probably dangerous to myself. So therefore dangerous to him because maybe one day I wasn't coming home and I went to court, spent the last of my money. 
lost um, um, coming back from the last court date. Uh, that is the closest I've been to suicide. I thought about killing myself, I had my pistol, and I was crying and I felt like I was repeating that I, how did I, I gave everything I, I could give to the good and why am I here completely empty without my son, without anything. And now I am shamefully recreating the conditions of my, of my, both my fathers before me. I couldn't live with it. I felt like such a waste. And, um, but then I just had some divine inter intervention. It's as far as only way I can explain. It. I decided right then and there, I'm turning this around. You know, like Jade will tell you, I wake up every morning. I go, I'll be swell. I'll be great. I'm going to have a whole world on a plate. Starting here. Starting now. Everything's coming. And I'm just like Ethel Merman. Everything's <laughs> coming up. Roses. Said it to myself right there. Boom. And, uh, threw the cocaine in the freaking, uh, um, in the uh, toilet. Freaking dumped out the vodka. Called Caesar. Caesar, get all my guns. That's my brother. Get out the guns. All right, I'm going to sleep for about 12 hours. All right, and then I'm going to work out. Then I'm going to work, and after I start working out, it's like, okay, Rudy, you're about 160 pounds. Let's start putting on some weights. And I just started going. Started going. And then, and then soon, force, then Bosco Brotherhood, then Force Blue, then Jade, then the job. Then now I've got two of the biggest series in both continents on top of another series. Now a book tour. And for my birthday, I got to FaceTime and see my son for the first time in six years. And it's because I refuse to give up. So for the last year, I've been paying for his school, paying for his hockey. Uh, and uh, I didn't realize that, that regular people, they might be afraid of you when you're unstable. I've, I'm around you brothers. You guys know some of my commando brothers. We're fucking savages, right? We don't, care, we don't care about safe there either. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah, no, I've, we've hung out many times, Duke. No, yeah. I, uh, it's know. still, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the people I gravitate towards and my yeah. friends and similar mindsets. So believe me, yeah, you know what nothing I'm scares and, me. And, and, and the, and the um, limits have been pushed so far out. So when I started showing up, I'd been texting his mother for uh, two years trying to, and it, oh, and I've been sending photos, pictures, letters, and toys for the last five years. And then once I was now making good a good living, paying and helping with him every month, it, I had no idea that's really all they wanted if only they would have just talked to me, but still it didn't matter. It worked out fine. So, um, you know, when I'm with the King of Jordan, the King of Jordan, uh, has this photographer take pictures of us and writes letters to my son. Can't wait for him to come visit and get on the helicopter with us. Cause we're flying around a black hawk. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, my birthday brother. Oh my gosh. My little man, he starts flexing too. And, and, and he, he loves seeing me on the call of duty. And I mean, it was incredible. And I could hear his other brothers and sisters yapping around, putting toys in front of the camera. And, and then Pam, the mom is 
over there. And then so uh, anyway, man, if that's not momentum and forward progress, um, I mean, my goodness, we Jade and I woke up the next day and we were still like, we talked to Dylan. We, I can't believe it. I'll send you some pictures on uh, on my thing. I don't post anything out yeah. there with my kids, Dylan and Bella, uh, because of this new world. Yeah. This new world that we live in, you know. Yeah, and no, I'll send I, you some uh, pictures. You guys are gonna be so proud, brother. I, 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 I'm just in a state of awe again, and I'm in uh, I'm in uncharted territory. Uh, I have never in my life been this together and this uh, driven. In recon, it was close, but my world was very small. And it had to be. Now I am living in the expansive world as an asset, as an asset. And it is absolutely wonderful. And it gives me great pride to see my brothers that have been there the last almost 10 years seeing it move up, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, this entire podcast and everything that we've uh, listened to and just the trials and tribulations in this battle, just one thing just keeps echoing in my head, which is it's always darkest right before the dawn. That, so true. Uh, like this idea of like, just when you don't think it can get any worse and you know, you got to end it and it's bleak, like the sun cracks and it comes up and it's this like yes. immovable spirit where you just got to keep going. It feels dark, but it's going to get brighter. It's going to get better. It. And it's perseverance and like it not is. giving up. If, if you don't give up, if you don't cash in your chips, if you don't fucking fold your cards, you're still in the game and you can still keep fucking running. And it seems like you've been in so many situations where I don't want to go any further. Fuck it. I'm going to keep taking a step and it ends up winning and resulting in where you want to go. That's, that's so true. And you know, if we can just take perspective too, uh, it's very important for people to read and read history specifically. When they recognize that um, this world that we exist in, and it's never been a better time to be a human being, we have the least amount of worldwide poverty, the least amount of worldwide disease. We have the highest end level of human rights ever on the planet. Um, and that is as a to speak truth to those that only focus on the negative. No, it's never been a better time to be uh, a human being. Um, when you read history, this entire world is built on the backs of struggle, sacrifice, immense, um, immense violence and destruction, and then epiphanies of true humanism and connection to source and to the, and to God and cosmos that in a quantum way shift, um, human society. There has been countless, uh, um, countless figures that we would consider heroes. And then there's been the everyday heroes behind them to bring us here. So, have solace in that because when we're going through what we're going through, we're not the first one to go through it. Yeah. And oftentimes we feel so uh, paralyzed when we feel alone and at the vanguard and we have no one to talk to about how to get through it. And we feel overwhelmed when we have a connection to our tribe and our histories. We know that we've never been alone. That, that, that this is actually, know that you're on the right track if um, 
if you're alone on a mountaintop, freezing to death in no sh shelter, you're on the right track because you're going to find a way. You're going to find a way to dig a snow cave. You're going to start doing rewarming drills. You're going to get very motivated. I just listened to the wonderful podcast about the rugby players that were that got smashed up in uh, the Argentinian mountains. They kept driving on. They found a way. They said, we've got to navigate off of this. If we stay here, no matter our people that we've had to eat their bodies, we are freezing to death and we are uh, and we're going to die here. We must navigate through. And they're getting through on, uh, on, you know, 10 calories a day and snow blind, burned. Some of them still blind to this day, holding on to each other with no freaking shoes on, made rags and plastic from the seats. Then we're in the right place when you're feeling that all uh, that, that you're on the precipice of hopelessness. You're in the right place. Let's fucking take charge. Let's grab a hold of it. Let's empower your, let's, let, let's bring in power from your Knights of the Round Table. Let's get creative. Let's work out. I guarantee a hundred, a hundred body weight squats is going to change your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, it's, it's really the foundation. I mean, if you don't have is, your physical brother. fitness, if you don't have your body, if you don't have those pieces, I don't know how, how you build anything. I agree. I mean, look at what, look, power athlete, how it was built. How about brothers? How rad I was just, do you know that that freaking power athlete symposium talk I did so many people around the world are watching it now. <laughs> they adore it as and they should. Cause it was fucking amazing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I still, I still remember sitting next to Woodski and Bert, we were sitting there and, uh, Woodski leans over and he's like, if there's a spaceship outside, we're all getting on. And I was like, fuck yeah, we are. I mean, that, that was amazing to see it. And, uh, you, we got to put your, um, costume skills and to yeah. see how you manicured that shirt into. Yeah, brother. Yeah, brother. <laughs> and, and, and that you all had built a platform to give voices a stage to express oneself that later it would become some kind of mantra for others. And then a reflection back to us as we're getting older, that we're battling with the arthritis. We're battling with the, um, with the tendonitis. We're battling with age. Like brothers, I can't see you too well right now because I need reading glasses. And, and, and sometimes we need to be reflected. We need to reflect our own um, youthful power and vigor we have to reflect it and embrace it again and remember yeah, I'm still that guy. I am him inside, you know, it's incredible, man. Amazing. Yeah. Rudy, we got some lightning questions for you. Okay. First one. What does the phrase move the dirt mean to you? I see a grave. I see a grave. Are you digging the grave? for your limitations and your smallness and burying that that is no longer serving you so that you can live? Or are you preparing the grave for yourself one day when you leave this world and you have pride about what you left behind? Powerful. Cool. Are you digging or any big goals? For 2023 oh my gosh i got so much going on brother um 
SAS, uh, Special Forces, World's Toughest Test. I've got a new series on History Channel that I'm going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be ghost stories. It's going to be military. Uh, it's going to be pretty rad. I've got a book tour in the UK. I um, also will be working on my biography. And so that's probably going to be in 2024. Um, so I've been in Jordan. I've been in Vietnam. I think my next couple of seasons, I think the next two seasons I'm going to do in the mountains. So I don't know if it's Scotland or Argentina, but it's going to be rad. And now I've got a new clothing brand that I'm working with, 10,000. I'm sure you've heard of 10,000. Yeah. They're doing great work. Met them up there in New York City, wore their gear through my different adventures. They're blown away, similar to what I did with Beyond. But now we are in talks. Actually, no, the deal's going through. My goal is for the, for the Rudy Reyes black line. I'm going to do my own clothing for our uh, Iron Warrior. Um, Make double suburb- X. Yeah, suburban adventurer. You know, the, the, you know, He-Man meets Jack London. That's what we're going to be doing forward. And I believe they're interested in doing females, female clothing, and they're going to bring on Jade. So we're doing some great stuff. Um, that being said, I'm still living here in South Carolina. I need standoff distance. And this is what I was not good at before, brothers. You remember, I used to just be tasked out all the time. I was in New York, Miami, L.A., Austin, Hong Kong. And in a sense, I was always on stage when I was in public. And so uh, that's probably why I drank and, um, and did such hard drugs is because it would numb me away from that in between. Now, uh, my sustainability is uh, this beautiful little place we have 10 minutes away from Sornex. And then I just travel out for my work. Um, oh, I'm going to get married next year. Jay and I are getting married. So, yeah. Congratulations. I, I, I bet. Yeah, I bet I'm going to see my son for the first time next year. I mean, it's going great, man. There we well, have I mean, you get to cool, stay connected huh? to who you are. So, yeah. I mean, Rudy, dude, uh, it has been um, nothing but a pleasure to see your personal growth and to see this and to, you know, really realize that, uh, I always, man, I was always on the fence a little bit about the Hollywood stuff because I know it's dangerous. Well, well, how can you ask Rudy Reyes to play anybody that's not Rudy Reyes and to see you go into this show where you get to actually be yourself to me feels more authentic. And I think, uh, um, you know, for you, and maybe this is just my perception, anything that doesn't, allow you to foster the authenticity of who you are, I think fucking steals your soul. And uh, I think a, a you're right. Dies. I think you're right, brother. And it's so interesting. You know, I'm really trying to get on uh, Michael Mann's. Uh, he's in pre-production for Heat 2, mm. the series. I just finished the book. It's absolutely magnificent. It's a prequel and a sequel. He's going to blow that universe out. Um, into a series. Uh, we're talking late 80s. We're talking uh, uh, late 1990s and early 2000s, back and forth. Chris Shahirless, the Val Kilmer character, is the only one that gets a, a, away alive, you know, and Vincent Hanna, but then the prequel stuff with uh, with Neil McCauley. It's absolutely amazing. Now, I'm trying to get on it, um, not as an actor, but as a trainer or an assistant or anything because you're right John there is no role that anyone else could write that has that has the depth that I do and 
Um, um, Marcel Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez's brother, who's a dear, dear brother of mine who I've got into heavy into fitness and he's a true believer, cinematographer. Um, some of the really cool videos on my Instagram that are in black and white and are obviously professionally done, those are his. He just does them for fun. The Musashi one I did. Um, he says, well, Rudy, you're going to have a hard time in scripted stuff because the characters are not going to be as interesting as you are. And I used to think that that was the highest space, you know, when you look at the De Niro's and things like this. But you know what? I've been in the business long enough. Very few actors have much uh, personality. Well, I mean, how uh, can they? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're constantly adopting somebody else's. Yeah, um, you're you right. You think about like the method actors, uh, you know, like right. Daniel Day-Lewis and the, these individuals. You're right. Uh, like, how do you end up figuring out who you are when you're constantly in this character and playing I agree. these other people? I agree. And I'm wondering, is it the the human desire um, to have status and fame um, that that may maybe corrupts certain artists? Because there's a, I mean, let's think about this. You all played football. combat theater combat theater then throughout time we've had theater around the fire or on the handmade stage because something about the human experience we need theater theater of war theater of overcoming theater of of grief it is something innate in human beings to reflect upon each other and learn or and feel through one another If that gets maligned through narcissism or corruption, then you're just another Hollywood star. So I see the importance of the human importance of it. However, the business I'm, I'm in, the business is a dirty business, brother. Yeah. And it's a hard business. I've got some man eaters for agents now. Um, in some ways, I have to hold them back because they just want to eviscerate every client that I work for and just squeeze every last dime out. And sometimes it makes me feel uncomfortable. Sometimes I'm worth even more than I'm getting, but it is a very difficult and dangerous business. No, it is. Um, it's the only way I can describe it is vampires, real life vampires. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I'm walking in the land of the freaking, uh, undead and succubuses and freaking nebulous dark stars because possibly I'm breathing a freaking breath of life and having a bright North star for others. And it seems to be in the unscripted space. And I love just being myself. Awesome brothers. Yeah, Speaking no, of which, I gotta, I gotta jump in a limo that's waiting out there and take me to the, the studios to do voiceover work. And, uh, and, and we'll talk really soon. And I'm yep. always available to you guys. You know that. Thank you. Uh, and say hi to Jade. We had an incredible conversation. I got a chance to connect at uh, Summer Strong. And uh, yes. I'm, I'm so stoked for you guys, man. You guys are uh, some of my favorite people. So, dude, thank, thank you so much you. for taking the time, amigo. And uh, we don't want to keep thank you any you, longer, brother. but we'll see you soon. This episode of Power Athlete Radio is powered by Train Heroic, the most immersive strength training app experience on the market. We've built our online training business by partnering with Train Heroic and helping us deliver all of our world-class training programs like Jack Street, Field Strong, and Grindstone. To learn which Power Athlete training program best suits your goals, head to powerathletehq.com training.
And if you're a coach looking to build a business with the best tech and training, go to trainheroic.co forward slash powerathletehq.